Open your Bibles up, if you would please, Matthew 16, verse 24. If you're following us, if you have sermon notes, you can follow along. Matthew 16, 24. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say, courageous, courageous. fighting, fighting. Followers. followers. In the series uh, for the year, we've been talking about the importance of having some courageous conversations. And you have to talk about the things that are really important to you, the things that really matter that will advance your life. And every now and then you need to have a courageous conversation. And the question is a conversation about what? Well, one of the things you need to talk about is fighting. There's some things you fight for. We don't talk. We've talked long enough. This is a thing we fight for. Maybe it's our health. Maybe it's a better financial position. Maybe whatever it is, a relationship, a friendship. I'm not going to let this friendship just die. Let's have a conversation, a courageous conversation. And in this, these courageous conversations, there's always, you know, some element of difficulty. Fighting is not always fun. It's, uh, if you've ever been trained, ever gone to any kind of training for fighting, it's always interesting. You know, footwork is important, where you stand, how you stand, how you hold your hands, um, what to look for, what way to move. You know, there's all these, all these guidelines for fighting. Um, and I think sometimes Christians have this, their, this, this idea that God doesn't want you to fight, but that's not true. He, he calls you to it. In Joshua, you see a whole lot of it. You see a lot of it in the Old Testament. Everything's not going to be given to you. A career, money, advancement, health, a good relationship. No, it's not going to be free. Building a church is not free. We're fighting right now a cultural shift where people are home and here and everywhere. It's like, okay, things have changed. Let's not be afraid of it. Let's embrace the change. Because what's interesting is our whole dynamic has changed. Did you know 74,000 views on our YouTube channel alone? Come on, amen. 74,000 I mean, you look at it and you think, wow, what an amazing, what an amazing thing. When you combine that with the other 124,000 touches that we have in other areas, we have notes people download. We have sermons people watch. We have people coming to the buildings. We had 8,400 people came to our special events last year outside of the building. Last year, 8,400 people. And this, no, you got to clap more than that. Come on, that's a weak clap for an amazing number. Now, when the average church has 100 people in it, 100 people, and you had 8,400, 8,400 people come, come to your outside events, 8,000, I think, 200, 400, who cares, somewhere around it. Then um, you had, this year, you're going to be past that. I mean, ladies only was up. I mean, goodness gracious, from 900 to 1,200. I mean, it's amazing. So, I mean, when you look at it, it's just different. But can you embrace differences? You know, can you embrace the fact, you know, our income is up 10%. I hope you keep giving. Everybody say amen. 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 used to be worried when the rain came. Y'all didn't give. I said, thank God. The rain come. Y'all still giving. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And 60% of it is not with me saying nothing. You're giving at home. Or online or on the app. God bless you. Keep, we need to, need to keep believing God and giving. Amen. But having said that, the point is, that it, you know, there's a fight, fighting off tradition, fighting off fear. One pastor asked me about our church, and he said, you know, well, he said, well, you know, I want to do some of the things you do. I said, you can't because it'll offend your people. You know, for example, you ready? This is amazing. They got line dancing. Did you see that on there? I told them to put holy line dancing. They didn't put that in there. The word holy is not in there. <laughs> I told them, they said. Did I tell y'all to put the word holy in there? 
they just laugh at me. He said, Pastor Rick, we can't put a hole in there. They don't understand what that is. What you going to do? Shout? I'm going to come to it, too. I'm coming to it. I'm going to be there. I'm coming. I'm, I'm going to come to the line dancing. I don't know if I'm going down the line, but I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm going to be there. It's going to be fun. It's good exercise. Good And the songs are clean. And it's fun. And I, I just, you know, but that offends people. People are saying, like, oh, God, tell me you're going to hell. I know you're going to hell. <laughs> Talk about me so bad. But I want you to be in shape. I want you to exercise. I want you to be more. I want you to live. And that's a fight. It's a fight to push off tradition and fears. It's a fight to move to digital giving. It's a fight. I want you to bring it. Man. Look, send it. I don't care how you get it here. I can't be afraid. I am tempted to be afraid all the time. And I think every now and then in your life, you need something to scare you, to push you forward, to get you out of your comfort zone. So sometimes you have to be a courageous fighter, and that's what this series is about this month. A conversation about the things you need to fight. And one of them is you need to fight the temptation to not be a follower. Look at me at Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Jesus talked to Peter and the disciples about three things. Three things that were really important. Verse 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, here's what he has to do. Three things. You ready? Come on. Say, deny himself. himself. Take up his cross. And follow me. That is the mandate, Jesus said, if you want to follow me. You have to not just fight people, but fight yourself. The first fight is with you. Fighting the way you think, the way you respond, the way you behave, your habits, your choices. And I'll talk a lot about that next month. It's a great series you don't want to miss next month. There's something about building a new you. That's what we're going to talk about. Building a new you. How do you build a new you? The process for building a new life and building yourself is very engaging, very demanding sometimes. Secondly, you have to learn how to take your own crosses. This is your job. I'm sorry. It comes with a job. Kids, work, paperwork. That's part of the cross. Sermon preparation. Isolation. Studying. That's part of the job. The management, the building, the facilities, the staff. That's part of my job. I've got to take that cross and carry it. Thirdly, I have to learn how to deny how to follow. Are you a good follower? And here's a big question for today. Ready? Can you name the person you have been faithfully following? Who can you name? that you faithfully followed for any lengthy period of time. We've been raised in a generation where our young people don't know how to follow. It's become a tradition for them to resist following. There's a big discipline that I love called followership. Can you say followership? Followership. Look up leadership. You see it everywhere. Followership you can find too. But in our country, it's not a big deal. In our country, the big deal is leadership. Everybody wants to be a leader. You want to teach people how to follow you. But you cannot be a good leader if you're not a good follower. And Jesus said it well. He said, if you want to really get behind me, you have to learn how to follow. Now, there's a quote from a book that I love. It's called Discovering Followership. Learn the Secrets of Walking Behind and Staying Ahead by Omoke Imukud, who says these words. Watch this now. Followership is perceived as a forced condition of servitude that impedes the individuality and results in the loss of identity of the person's following. However, nothing could be further from the truth. True followership is actually a tool of empowerment and a launching pad for the release of a follower's individuality and potential. In other words, it makes you better. Learning how to follow helps you. But if you're in your mind, you got married to lead, you didn't get married to follow anybody. She has nothing to offer you. He has nothing to offer you. You hire staff people because you want to boss people and tell them what to do, but you're not really interested in anybody's input. 
It's your company. You started it. You are the guiding force in the room every time you enter the room. No one ideas is better than yours, and so you, you, you're not a good listener. And so you're trying to teach people to follow you, but you've never learned it yourself. Everybody say followership. followership. Two things I think that can make following difficult. And then I'll show you four observations about Jesus' followers. Two things make it really hard for most people to follow. Number one, following can seem like you are in a weak position. That's the first problem. It can seem like you are weak. Leaders are strong. Followers are weak, right? (laughs) Not so. Here's the problem. When you're the follower, you don't have control of the agenda, you don't have control of the schedule, and you don't get control of the resources, and that makes you feel weak. So I don't get to say when I come to work, right? I don't get to say how much money I get paid. I don't get to say what the schedule is going to be. They're moving me around. Somehow that's weak. You want to be the person moving everybody around. <laughs> it's amazing. Following can make you feel like you, your life is in the hands of someone else. You must submit philosophically. You must submit verbally. You must submit financially. So you are not given the right to air your philosophical viewpoint. Your way is not primary. And that's a real problem in relationships because you, you, know, you need friends and they challenge your philosophy. You're always late to everything. And they tell you, listen, now we have to be there at 9 o'clock, so we need to ride separate because you're always late. No, I'm not. Come pick me up. Nope. Last time I picked you up, you were 30 minutes late. I'll meet you there if you make it. And sure enough, you come in late and they say, see, And now you're offended because they they don't want to ride with you anywhere. But your philosophy is late. That is a cultural part of your life. You don't get to verbally be right all the time. You want to lead every conversation. You want to control the resources, the money. But a follower doesn't have that advantage all the time. And let me say this. It's really interesting because as a leader guy, I have to learn and have learned, I think, pretty well to follow those that I lead. There are times when it is in my best interest to follow the people that I hired to work for me because they know best. That's why I hired them. I hired them to make decisions. I hired them to think. I did not hire them to just listen to me. I've wasted my money if I'm hiring people who are not smarter than me. I want people smarter than me. I want people to make good decisions. A lot of people misunderstand my role and they misunderstand what I do. I I believe in leading, but a smart leader gets smart people around him or her. And they listen. Now, Jesus models this. If you look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through 28, he models this and gives us an example about his followers and some things about his followers that just stood out to me that were really impressive. First of all, Jesus had followers with ambition. Say that with me, please. Come on. Jesus had followers with ambition. You want people around you that have big vision and big dreams. You want that. You want people around you that that want something. It's nothing like being around people who have no passion for life. I love to ask people, so what are you working on? What is your your next trip? What is your next plan? What is your next goal? I am, uh, I probably shouldn't say this because it's it's, it's my new revelation. I am new in the 60s. And I am stunned, unstunned at how these people in my age bracket think. It's like they're done. 
There's no need to dream. There's no need. Nobody even asks you anymore what you're going to do. They always talk about, listen to me, the past. When I was, what I used to be, when I was, and how I was. I never talk about what I used to be. I always talk about what I am doing and where I am going. Say that with me, please. Say, what I am doing. Come on, say, what am I, what, what, okay, we'll clap in a second. Let's say it first, okay? Say, say, what I am doing and where I'm going. (laughs) What I'm doing. I don't know, did I tell you guys? It's not, I don't think I told you this. This is so cool. It's so cool. The other day, right, I went to, I went to, uh, I went to a place of business. I'll just say it like that. And, and I, was telling, I was just in passing conversation. I said, I'm going back to school, you know. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm enrolled. I, I, I started. It's a doctoral program. And so I, mean, I got an honorary doctorate. And I'm going to be doctor, doctor, right? Okay. But anyway, so, 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 so it's a three-year program. And, and, and it's, yes, it's three years for real. I'm really going to do this for 36 months. Isn't this amazing? Ha-ha. What else do I have to do? So, so, I'm gonna, so, so I said this in passing, right? And she said, oh, my God. Helen, come here. Can you believe he's going back to school his age? <laughs> she said it. I thought, is this a compliment? Is this a compliment? And she said, wow. This is what Helen said. Wow. My brain wouldn't even work. I said, okay, 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 okay. Does that mean mine's not supposed to work? What's the deal? What's the deal? <laughs> I just think it's funny. It's funny. It's funny how we think. It's, it, who told you this? Who did you, who is, who are you following that gave you this information that has you feeling that you can't? You can't do anything. You know, just watch, just watch people. You know, you, you, you can, somewhere around 40, you start acting old. Somewhere. Oh, big four, oh, big four. And then you start, start walking funny. You start, oh, there you go. Ready? I'm authorized. It's authorized. <laughs> I know it comes on you. It comes on you, man. It just does. I just, wow. My finger was a little bit, you know, it was this finger. A little bit crooked. It started moving. I shouldn't show you all this, but it did. It started, it look, it's just straighter. Dude, start, hey, and then it started hurting, man. I said, what is it? So I took an x-ray of it, took an x-ray. A little arthritis in there. I said, oh, I said, what am I going to do? He said, live with it. <laughs> you know what they told me? He told me some people cut it off. I said, oh, I ain't doing that now. It ain't that bad, is it? Every now and then I get a little ow, you know, a little ow that come on. You know, that's, you know, people, you know, it's amazing in, you just, in this age bracket, a lot of things go ow. Did you didn't used to go ow? You need to put your elbow down. Ow, there's an ow, there's an ow here, there's an ow right up there. I went running the other day, right? I finished running. I was, man, I felt good. I was running. I had running. Right, running, Pastor Rick. And then, then right there, bam, ow came. Ow. Say, <laughs> don't run again. I told you about that running. You're 60 years old. Don't run. No. Just run on something soft. It's going to hurt your knees. But, man, I just, you know, but my point is, it's amazing how. If I'm not careful, I won't have any ambition. What are you dreaming about? Jesus had followers their ambition. Here's what they said. This is important. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. Matthew 20 and 20, right? And he said to her, what do you wish? What do you wish? What do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in the kingdom. That's ambition. Wow. They wanted something. Jesus is not intimidated because you want something. Nice. You can go look at what you want to look at to drive it. He doesn't care. He walks on golden streets. That's a message to you. I don't care about your little wheels. 
made out of metal. I'm not impressed. Secondly, Jesus had followers with courage. Jesus answered and said to them, you do not know what you're asking for. Are you able, here's the question, are you able to drink the cup that I'm, I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we don't know, man, we're thinking about it. We've got to pray on that. No, he said, no, we are able. Say that out loud. Come on. We are. No, say it like you're strong. Come on. Say, we are able. Yeah, no, separate. Say, we are able. We're able. We can do this. We can build that. We can do that. We can get this done. We can go to school. We can, we can do this. We can make this marriage work. We can. We are able. We get over these little trivial issues. We can raise these children. We can get this done. We're able. I can get to, to retirement. I can make the next two years, three years. I can make this. We are able to do this. That's the kind of followers he had. But Jesus taught the followers that the desire was not enough. That's important. A lot of Christians get confused. A lot of people get confused because you want something. That means you get it. Some things are not going to be given to you. Listen to this conversation, verse 23. He said to them, you will indeed drink my cup, okay, and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. Now, the word baptism, always think of it as being dipped in. Baptizo is the word in the Greek. It means to be immersed, immersed. So he said, you want to be dipped in what I'm dipped in? You want to be, can, you, can you hold your breath? Can you go down, come up? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? But to sit on my right hand, listen, guys, carefully, and on my left hand, it's not mine to give. I can't just give it to you because you pray. Prayer changes things. Not if you don't do anything. <laughs> Prayer not going to change your life. You just pray and pray. You ready? Watch this. Yes, yeah, pray. Everybody be with me? You praying for real. Now pay attention, okay? Say, Lord, give me big muscles. Come on. <laughs> Check your arms. There you go. Ain't nothing happening. Sorry, you got to go to the gym for that. <laughs> Lift. Sets, they call them. One, two, three, four. That hurts. That's okay. Come on. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's how it comes. Right? You sell one house at a time, right, sir? Right? Mr. Gilead, you sell one house at a time. You don't become a salesman without going to work. I'm sorry. And there's something about being clear in your mind that it's not going to be just given to you. You don't just get a big church because you want one, because you read a couple of verses and you feel holy. If you can't change with the times, they're home streaming. Good to have you here. If, bring them up. Come on in. However it works, it's not going to be just given to you if you're not trying to learn anything. Number four, Jesus taught his followers that serving was the highest call. Not leading. Serving. That's what he taught his followers. Listen to what he said to them, verse 24. And when he, the ten heard it, right, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. I can't believe those guys going to Jesus asking him to be leaders, asking him to be on the, they want to be on the left hand and the right hand. They want both hands. What is this? Brought their mama as a backup. <laughs> right? But Jesus called them to himself. He said, you know what, guys? The rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. For you, it's not about who's got the biggest title. Pastor, bishop, deacon, all that stuff. It's not about that. I've got a few titles in my life, but it's not about the titles. Here's what he said. Whoever did, verse 26, he said, whoever desires to become great, let him be your word, servant. Strong word in the Greek means slave. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. 
just as the Son of Man, that's me, guys, did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. A friend of mine preached a sermon the other day, and he made this great comment. He said, he said um, and this is a trial sermon, too, by the way. It's his first, first sermon. He was a little bit nervous, and, but he made this tremendous point. He said, with Jesus, it's not about being the guy sitting at the table. It's about being the waiter. It's about being the dishwasher. If you want to understand where the real power is, it's when you learn how to serve. Be a follower. So you want to be a great leader? Well, please understand. You have to be what I call a servant follower. Can you say that term, please? Come on. Servant follower. So are you good at that? How good are you at being a servant follower? Some of our best leaders come from the ushers. People who just stand in the aisle, pass out stuff, greet people, see people. In the history of our church, some of the greatest leaders evolved from positions of service. There's a guy in our church right now who is an engineer by trade. That's his, that's his profession. He's a trained engineer. But he took a position here just to service and help us. We needed some help in facilities. And I couldn't believe he wanted the job. He's not wanted. it. Love to do it. And you'll see him running around here. Today, he's working today, as a matter of fact. And he is a full-fledged engineer with a big engineering job. But he has a heart of a servant. And Cal does not want me to say his name, so I won't. <laughs> but <laughs> I won't. Don't, don't, don't. You didn't hear that. I look at him, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? He says, I'm serving. My title is not too big to be a servant. We've had principals, we've had doctors, we've had all kinds of people, managers, business owners. One of our lead ushers owns a huge business. I won't say his name either. He's sitting on the front row, but I won't say his name. <laughs> Starts with an M. It's got a curse sound, like a manker sound to it. But, <laughs> but you just sit there, and this guy's got this big business, and he's got this successful, and he, and he, he, he serves. You would never know it. Let the greatest among you be your servant. And when you become a pastor, people can smell it in you, whether you're a servant or not. They can smell whether your goal is to be important more than serve. When you preach, whether your message is about you performing today and pats on the back, if that's the goal. Did you take enough time to think Think about what you're going to say so you can serve people a good meal. Or are you just a guy who doesn't care? Because it's all about you. Where I fly, where I go. I read this great book. You want to know what it is. You always want to know. You people just, I can't even tell you the name of a book. Because if I do, then you look at me with this look like, okay, don't mention a book if you're not going to tell us where it is, Pastor Ray. Is that the vibe I get? Is that a yes? yes. I know it is. And it just... It's just frustrating to me. Not, it's not. Here you go. You ready? Write this down. It's called a work of a heart. 
Under, it's called A Work of the Heart, Understanding How God Shapes Spiritual Leaders. It's a great book. It's one of my books for my new program, which I'm going to publish all the books I'm reading, by the way. I'll tell you about that in another day. It, I'm, I'll, that, that, you're going to love it. You'll be able to go on my website, rickytemple.com, click on Resources, click on Read with the Pastor. It's going to be a doctoral project. You'll enjoy it. And you'll be able to read all my books. This is one of them. It's called A Work of the Heart, Understanding How God Shapes Leaders. And in this book, he talks about how we worship we worship um, buildings and processes. That churches are focused more on that than serving. That's all we think about. That's all we talk about. But that's not today's sermon, is it? No. Here we close with this. Eight questions that will help you test your servant followership. You ready? Eight questions. First of all, who are you following and where do you serve? Name the place you, name the person you're following and and name the place you're serving for free, okay? Number two, what are you willing to consistently deny yourself? What do you say no to you about? That's a part of your service. Number three, what cross, and this is a test for you to test your service, what cross are you willing to cons consistently carry? Number four, who would testify on your behalf that you are a good servant follower? Can, you, can somebody come up here and say, yeah, I know, they, would, they do this for us, they're servant follower. I make it a point to do things where I'm not in charge several times a year. It's important to me that I am not the guy always driving the bus. Number five, are you, a fr are you frustrated because your spouse does not serve you enough? That's your constant complaint. I married you to serve me. That was my plan. That's the only reason I married you. So you could be available when I rang the bell. Bing, bing, bing. And you're frustrated because they don't love you enough, which you could mean in your, in your language, serve me enough. You don't go out of your way, but you want everybody to go out of their way. You've changed. You used to be wonderful, but now you don't have time for me. Are you a single person looking for someone to follow and serve you? <laughs> I need a good man that will be there when I call him. Good woman. Are you, are you a frustrated employee because you, your job does not serve you enough? You, you're mad with them because they won't give you enough time off. You ask for time off, they say no. Anything that they, If they don't do what you say, they're horrible. Because if you're not careful, they should serve you because you work for them. And then lastly, are you a frustrated parent because your children do not serve you enough? When my kids were younger, as the rain comes, <laughs> I don't know if you ever had this where you ask your kid, for, you know, I was up, upstairs, I said, hey, Rick, can you get me some water, man? He goes, oh, man, I know I should have come up here. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I hope he's watching. He know he did it. I hope he's watching, brother. You know he did it. Oh, God. Okay. I said, okay. Hey, tell you what, bro. Okay. Forget it. I'll go get my own water. No, Dad. I know, Dad. I get No, no, no. There's no love in this. I can get my own water. So I just don't hop on down here. You know, my little hurts. <laughs> my own water. You know, it's just that. You know, I want you to feel like some love in there, man. 
No, Dad, he run down. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. No, I'm going to get it, Dad. I, I love you, man. You know, I got your water. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I know God looks at us and he goes, are you, like, in pain because I ask you to, to give to me or pray or spend time with me or come to church or is everything like, oh, God, I can't believe. Oh, they go, Pastor Rick, God, I got to explain. Jesus. As if you serve me. No. If you're not careful, right, you can develop an anti-servant mindset, which means you'll never be great. And here's what that says. You don't believe what he says, because he said the path to greatness is following. So you have a faith problem. And that's what I want to talk about next week, courageous faith. Somebody said something to me yesterday. It was really powerful. Um, they have these guys that I mentor, people that I mentor, pastors. They, they have little sayings about me, which are interesting. One day I may have a, let's talk about Pastor Rick moment, where they tell you things they said. So he was telling me one thing. He said, you really, really hurt my feelings a few years ago. I said, I did? He said, yeah. You, you said, man, I had to stop. I, ooh, I, was, I thought, well, he done crossed the line now. I said, what did I say? He said, we were talking, and you said to me, you know why you have that problem? Because you're not a believer. He said, I was so mad with you. And, and, I, and then he said, then you explained. If you believed, you wouldn't have acted that way. You would have done it this way because this is how God would have, what the Bible says, you did it your way. So you believed in your way more than God's way, so you're not a believer. That's the problem, according to your faith. So be it unto you. And then there's a verse. Look at the bottom of your notes. There's a verse I want you to think about all week. Ready? Your read-ahead verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. What does it say? Without faith, it is what? Impossible to what? To please God. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Notice I underlined something for you. Without faith is what? Stop right there. Whatever we've talked about all year, it's all impossible without faith. If you don't have courageous faith in what God says, this is what God says about my life, and this is, this is the way I'm going to live. The, the courageous faith. I am courageously committed to believing what he says. So I understand that without faith, it's impossible. And that's something you can take to the bank. With faith, it is. Without faith, it's not. And faith is not some strained-up opinion. It's not some forced, I'm going to it because I feel bad. Faith is I just really believe that if I don't go to work, that I absolutely will not get paid. How many of you believe that? The rest of y'all don't believe it. Let me say it again. How many, how many of you absolutely believe right, that if you speed in front of a police officer, it's amazing how you, you have faith when you see them blue lights. <laughs> them blue lights change your mind, don't they? I've got to hurry up and get to work. And, oh, blue lights. I don't, I'll be late. I'll be late. I'll be late. Because <laughs> you got faith, they're going to pull you over. Jesus said it well, according to your faith. Could it be that a lot of things that's happening in your life is because you don't believe? Your family doesn't believe that you can end up divorced. You don't believe this can happen to you. You don't believe, you don't believe you can end up bankrupt. You don't believe you can lose your house. You don't believe, you don't believe you can end up in a hospital with situations that you could prevent right now. 
you don't believe that you got high blood pressure, but you can avoid taking your medicine because you're special. You're so anointed, it doesn't matter. You can cuss each other out, and you're going to always be able to cuss each other out. Nobody's going to leave. Really? You really believe that? You, really can, you, can, you can go all around town and never catch anything because you're special, super strong. You live in and out of depression, in and out. It's a preacher disease, trust me. Good God Almighty. In front of people, did I do good today? Oh, God help me. In and out of depression. Father, help us today. We must be courageous, 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 courageous followers. We must be courageous servants of the Most High God. We must be people who understand the power of listening. You send people to help us. You send people to lift us. And sometimes we don't want to hear that friend, that parent. Just because we're past a certain age doesn't mean we can't listen to good advice. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that this series has helped people fight past the fear of following. And that they would embrace with confidence your way. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Look at the preacher one more time, please. Can you be trusted? That's the question. I asked the men that this morning in our men's meeting. Can you be trusted? Can God trust you? follow him. This way, please. No, no, not that way. No, no, don't talk to him that way. No, no, no. Calm down. Think about it. Follow me. Don't say those words. Follow me. Come here. This way. No, let it go. Follow me. Let it go. This way. Drop that. Let it go. Come on, follow me. Come on. Father, help us to get that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, Give you a chance to follow. If you know you're not following Jesus, you know you're not serving him, but you want to start being a follower of Jesus, doesn't mean you're going to be perfect overnight. You're just simply saying, I need to start following Jesus. In my life, I've been following me, but now I need to follow Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me, I want you to pray for me right there in my seat or wherever you are at home today. Just raise your hand real fast so I know who I'm praying for. I see one. Do I see two? Do I see three? Four? Anybody else? Say, I'm going to be a follower. Five? Anybody else? Okay. That's more hands I see. Thank you. Let's lift our hearts. Everybody's hands up, please. Father, we lift our hands to you today. We come to be followers. We thank you for the opportunity to pray and talk to you about our lives. We ask you to help us to follow Jesus, to get in alignment with your will and your way. The same way we ask our kids to follow us, right? The same way we ask those who work for us to follow us. We need to follow you. Sometimes they need to be quiet. We need to be quiet before you. Your way is the best way. In Jesus' name.
Man, I'm telling you, sometimes I'm